You're listening to The Haunting Hour by Crystal Ann. The rain pounds like thousands of toy soldiers beating their drums. The wind moans off-key between the screen and my window. It is the second night of the relentless March drench. I hate this time of year. I lie in bed, unable to pry my eyes away from the evil face that lives in the ceiling. Its mouth stays in a permanent howl of agony. Its eyes are small and beady. Sometimes, I swear it moves from above my bed to over the door. It is probably waiting on the perfect time to snatch and gobble me up. That'd teach him. Why Grandpa won't just hurry up and scrape the popcorn off my ceiling, like he did for both his and Mama's room, I'll never know. Mama teases that it's because I don't listen. Good children are supposed to be in bed after nine, Mama says. Good children mind their manners. Most importantly, good children do not go adventuring in their best clothes and blame it on following a made-up dog. I get so mad when she says this that I could split a coconut with my mind. Just because her old eyes can't see him doesn't mean that he's not real. I don't want to give him a name. Somehow feels like it would cheapen him. How would Mama know, anyway? She's never gone further than twenty steps from our garden. He lives deep within the woods, at the heart of the forest. There's a small clearing where he waits. When I walk to him, he turns his somber eyes to me and wags his tail. I try telling Mama about this, but she just says stuff and nonsense, and then she sends me to bed hungry. I mostly like to visit him at night. My hand brushes across his downy fur, and we sit in silence. I always feel so strong sitting next to him that I forget about the sickness. Mama would have a conniption fit if she knew I was prancing outside in my bare feet. The battle cough started the day I saw Alice. I gave her this name because she looked so much like the girl I used to play with when I was little. She always stands outside staring from the edge of the forest into my room. I cannot see her face, or much of her body. She keeps them covered beneath the coat. Each time I see her, she moves closer, and my will becomes weaker. The night she scratched on my window, I was bedridden for three days. After the doctor came by, I was able to walk again and Alice disappeared for several months, until last March. During last year's drench, after the third night, I heard strange thumping sounds outside of my door. I was too scared to open it, so I crawled on my belly, peered beneath the crack. Two black eyes and stringy dark hair stared blankly at me. It was Alice. I'd never sprinted from my bed and leaped beneath the covers so fast in my life. I don't know how she got in, but 
She had. I recited the Lord's Prayer until dawn, but that did not work. The next night, I heard more thumping, followed by swift pacing on the other side of my door. I was glad for whatever reason kept her outside of it. From the third night of the month until the very last day of the drench, Alice kept up the pacing and thumping last year. I was so sick that I couldn't keep down my food, let alone move from my bed. It was the most miserable two months of my life. Then, as soon as she came, Alice went away. All the remains of her existence today is a faint groove in the wood. I, of course, got blamed for it and received two nights without supper. I've given up trying to explain Alice to Mama. It only gets me into more trouble. Hope that Alice at least has a decency of not coming back until the third night of the drench this year. And I keep wishing this as I stare up at the howling face in the ceiling as I hear the first thump. Alice is starting early this year. I sneak over to the window and pull back the curtains. The drench responds, falling harder against the house. In the distance, I can barely make out the golden fur and wagging tail. He's much further this time, but I can still feel my furry friend watching me. I motion to him that I'm coming out and lean down to open the window. Forget staying in this house. I'll just keep him company until dawn. Let Alice bang, thump, and scrape her little heart out. I'm tired of getting sick. My hand touches the latch, and I nearly jump out of my skin when the high-pitched voice squeaks above me. Would hurry if I were you, dearie. I gape at the ceiling, unsure of what to do. Who said that? Alice? Bang, bang, thump, scrape is my only answer. Something taps at the metal just below the doorknob. Sounds impatient. Tiny pointed nails waiting to... I try not to think about it. Where is Mama anyway? Can't she hear any of this from down the hall? I know she keeps her door open at night. Then I remember we're still in the middle of a storm. The giant oak tree brushing against the roof is probably drowning out the noise. I decide to heed the voice's warning, and I undo the latch and pull on the window. But it doesn't budge. Nailed shut, I'm afraid, the voice chirps. Annoyed, I look up. Well then, how on earth am I supposed to hurry? It's a peculiar feeling, talking to the ceiling in the middle of the night. Mama must never know. I already see some quack twice a week for the dog, and Alice comments. Break the glass, of course, it says. Naturally. Let me just pick up my chair and throw it through the window. Mama would just love me to pieces then. Bang, bang, bang. Scrape, tappity, tap. Hmm. Alice is getting more creative. I cross my arms and tap my foot. This is ridiculous. Why am I hiding from another little girl? What's the worst she can do? Bite and scratch me? 
You need to stop being a ninny and open the door. I marched three paces, then halt. I know why I can't open my bedroom door. Alice is anything but a normal little girl. And I know if I pull open that door and face her, it'll be the end of me. Better hurry, it taunts. I want to slap that voice from the ceiling. But I know it's right. I dash for the chair and smash it against the window. I tense at the horrible screeching outside my bedroom door. She knows I'm trying to escape. I hear her footsteps descend down to the living room. What was Alice doing? Now you've done it, the voice sounds. The voice sounds like it's enjoying this a little too much. What have I done, I ask. I didn't say break it loudly, the voice says. I want to strangle the ceiling. Then I realize how crazy that is. Oh well, I've gotten this far. What do you mean break it quietly? There's no such thing, I say. The front door creaks open. Each pop and groan feels like a nail pounding shut the lid on my coffin. Oh, there's a way, it quips. Like a well-placed glass cutter. Had you've had the sense to look around. It sniffs matter-of-factly and clears its throat. Ignoring the insult, I glance around the room and see a silver glint in the moonlight. There, on my vanity, is the darned glass cutter. I can just scream. The screech bellows from the right of my window. Then I hear Alice climb up the drainage pipe. I don't have time to think. I wedge the chair into the window and pull the curtains shut. Then I streak toward my bedroom door. My hand twists the doorknob when I stop. Something isn't right. Why would it be this easy? I plunge down to the floor and peep out. I freeze. The cold, dead stare of Alice's eyes are looking back at me. Her grin twists upward, a sea of black. No teeth. No tongue. Just dark and nothingness. My eyes linger on the swirling soot that inhabits her insides. It is busy, flitting uniformly about as a swarm of insects would. I jump up from the floor and back away from the door. How could she possibly be two places at once? The chair jiggles behind me as the scraping drags behind the door. I pray that I am able to make it until morning. The doctor will be there. I don't know why, but Alice always disappears after the doctor comes and gives me the burnin' medicine. Alice has not moved from the floor. There must be something keeping her back. Thank you, Lord, I pray. After several minutes, Alice's shadow pulls away from the door. I no longer hear her footsteps, but the rattling at my window has gotten louder. Take a chance and look beneath the door. Alice has gone. Now's my chance to run to Mama's room. My hand clasps the knob. Not very bright, are we, child? The voice states. Now it's just being rude. And just what do you mean by that? 
I'll have you know I'm top of my class at Bishop's Middle School, it interrupts. Has nothing to do with your predicament. It yawns loudly before continuing. You need to get outside to your friend. I thought we'd long established that much. We most certainly had not. But I let this slide. Yes, I say playing along. But how would one do such a thing? You've clearly made it known that I cannot go out the door. Though goodness knows why not. His next sentence flies out. Goodness knows why... He pauses and takes a breath. Listen here, you insolent child. I'm trying to save your life, when all you've tried to do is have me removed from this ceiling. He spurts something unintelligible, and then shouts, I've half a mind to up and leave. I stand by the door with my mouth gaping so wide I could catch a school of fish. This guy's a total loom. How am I supposed to know what to do? It occurs to me then that the chair has stopped rattling in the window. Where did she go? The voice interjects. She's right where she's always been. By your bedroom door. I'm tired of him cutting me off. Maybe I will help Grandpa remove him in the morning. Well, excuse me for not knowing that, I say, crossing my arms. Then it clicks. I think back to the chair rattling in the window. Why did Alice not burst through the window when she had the chance? I turn my gaze to the ceiling at Mr. Beady Eyes. I can feel hope welling up. I pray it is not misplaced. Alice didn't break into my room. Why is that? For the first time since I looked at his face... I see his prickly mouth curl into a smile. Why, my dear, he says, surely you have figured out some things along the way. His eyes shift to the chair lodged in the window. Quiet as a church mouse, I walk over to the window and peer out. There he is, not but ten feet from the house. There's no sign of Alice. Curious, I look down at the chair. It is fused perfectly with the glass. My furry friend must have done this. I smile and look up, but he is gone. A slow scrape across the door shakes me from my thoughts. I wonder at why she hasn't come in yet. This troubles me so much, I have to know. Why hasn't Alice come in yet? The ceiling's response is dangerously close to helpful. If you'd cared to glance at the knob, you would know. The knob? I ask. The ceiling lets out a long sigh. Must I tell you everything? He asks. I nod my head an inch away from the door. I try a different approach. Please! I'm running out of time, I say. How do I get out of here? I'm neutral. I, I beg your pardon? I ask. I'm neutral, dear. It means I cannot meddle in your affairs. But you just... I certainly have not. I've only given clues. And this is getting rather dull. If you'll excuse me. I hear crackling as the popcorn forms into its original shape on the ceiling. 
Wait! I yell. He shifts back into a face. Well, he asks. I need... I trail off, look into the floor. I don't want to say it. But I know it's my only hope. I need a clue. I mumble at the floor. It will stay like this forever until Alice finds a way to break through. If things have escalated this far in just a year's time, there's no telling what she will do. I can't stay locked up in my room forever. What I can't figure out is why she wants to get to me so badly. Ah, a clue indeed, he says, smacking his lips together. Beady eyes sounds as if he's savoring a bit of candy. If I were you, he whispers, I would try looking at a dead end. Bang, thump. Alice is back to her pacing. What does that even mean? I ask. I know what's coming next. Neutral, we both say at the same time. Of course, I mutter. I jump as something large crashes into my door. Alice is becoming bolder by the second. I can't wait any longer. The next blow would break through. Mama, where are you? I wonder. I run to the only place I can think to as the next crash splinters the door. Huddled inside my closet, I lock the door and back into the wall. A series of metal clicks sound behind me, and the wall drops away. To the screech of Alice's dismay, I fall back into the vast pit of darkness. Her disembodied head floats from the opening, and she slowly fades into the distance. Lucille's voice calls around me, sounding rather proud. There now. I knew you would get it, he says. I tug my nightgown down and place it between my knees. I begin to think the drop will never end. And then, it happens. The icy water hits me like a ton of bricks, and I tumble head over heels in the freezing pool. I panic for several heartbeats, unable to orient where the surface lies. I had not taken a deep enough breath, and my lungs already feel as if they are going to burst. A twinkle shines behind me, and I flip my body around. I claw my way toward the light with all my might. How far had I fallen in? More than anything, I wanted to hear Mama's stern voice. I wanted to hear her call in my story's nonsense and feel her hand brush a cool rag across my forehead. I sputter and choke, releasing the last of the air from my lungs. Where's my furry friend now? I want desperately to feel him by my side. These last few moments... I think of his somber eyes and wagon tail. The twinkle from above seems as far as it was before, and I make a last-ditch effort to reach the top. Nothing happens. There's only the icy liquid between my fingers. I fall down 
further into the cold. I do not want to think it, but it creeps into my mind, like the water into my lungs. I am alone. I wake to rocky pebbles pressed against my cheek and water lapping at my legs. I try to stand, but I just end up hunched on all fours. Water retches from out of my lungs. And then I collapse on the shore for several minutes, too tired to move, to breathe. Finally, I am able to catch my breath, and I sit up. I blink a few times and rub at my eyes. The cavernous room is vast. There are many hollow doors and tunnels that snake in and out of the walls. It is cold and damp. I cry into my knees and rock back and forth. How will I get back home? And if I do, will Alice be there? If only I could have made it to Mama's room. If only the doctor had come on his usual day instead of coming tomorrow, then Alice would have gone away for a while. I want to see my friend. I want to touch his feathery soft fur and gaze at the stars above. There is no grass in this room, only dirt. I lie down on the shore and curl my legs up to my stomach. I'd always been told to stay where I was if I became lost. But who would ever think to look for me here? Wherever here was close my eyes. Maybe I should just sleep until someone gets here. No sooner do I think this when suddenly I'm surrounded by warmth. He says nothing, but I feel him there. My friend has come for me. I open my eyes and stand. My lungs, for the first time in years, feel completely whole again. His fur looks more golden than usual, and he stands upright like a human. His armor plate, which he has never worn before, is as bright as the sun, and heat pulses from it. I can't suppress the need to reach out and touch the glittering surface. A gentle breeze, carrying the scent of our garden, rustles my hair. He smiles at me, and for the first time, I notice the vibrant flecks of color in his eyes, where his snout should be, is replaced by a golden, wrinkly smile. His paws are now smooth and fleshy. I blink and realize that they are not paws at all, but large, strong hands. The room brightens like the surface of the sun, and I have to shield my eyes from its brilliance. Reaching out, he takes my hand, and we walk down a stark, white corridor. My clothes have dried. When I glance down, I see a golden sash of silk crosses over my long, flowing dress. I wonder when my nightgown has turned into such a splendid garment, but I quickly forget it. I 
It seems so trivial now. I try to turn my head back to where I fell in the water, but his hand gently wraps under my chin. Best not to look back, child, he says. I continue walking down the hall, hand in hand with my friend. been listening to a short story entitled Alice is per part of the haunting hour. Um, Thanks so much for tuning in guys and I hope you enjoyed. I just wanted to touch base with Hell's Gate trailer information. Uh, We will be releasing Hell's Gate on October 20th from 2 to 6 p.m. at Madness Comics in Denton and that's just north of Dallas. Uh, You can get the invite on my Crystal Ann Facebook page as well as my Twitter. And all you have to do is look me up. I'm at Crystal Ann Books on Facebook and Twitter. That will be Crystal underscore Ann underscore. And uh, Crystal is spelled with an H and Ann is with an E. So just look those up and you'll be able to find it. Um, this will be again a trailer for my book and we will also be pitching the extended version to Kickstarter and hopefully see if we can create this into a series or a movie. So some exciting things in the mix. I hope you enjoyed this week's show and hopefully you enjoy next week's haunting hour. Uh, that invite again will be on Facebook. So look out for that in the next week. Thanks so much guys. Good night.